we continue this morning working our way through some of the, the themes that are in the Old Testament uh, wisdom literature. And this morning the topic that we have is right under our noses because it is our tongues and lips, our mouth and the words that come out of them. And the Old Testament wisdom literature has a lot to say about these things. In fact, there are more proverbs about the tongue and about how we use our words than there are about any other topic. And not just uh, the Old Testament wisdom literature, this is a theme that is prevalent right through the Bible, particularly in the teachings of Jesus and in the book of James, which um, some call the New Testament wisdom literature. So, without a doubt, we have to conclude that this is something that God wants us to know about. Every day, each of us are going to utter between 15 and 16,000 words. Now, of course, that will vary from person to person. Some people are naturally more quiet than others and reserved. Other people are naturally more verbose than others. Um, but on average, 15 to 16,000 words is what you can expect to speak each day. Now, science has categorically debunked that old theory that women used to chatter endlessly with about 20,000 words a day and men spoke only 7,000 words a day. That was something that came out of social literature and a little bit of pop science but not very much actual science. And it got perpetuated over time and people believed that women were chatterboxes continually gossiping all the time and men restricted their words to only those that were necessary, 7,000 words a day. It's just not true. Um, there was a review done of 56 scientific studies on adults. And out of those 56 studies, in only two did women speak more than men. In 34 of those studies, men actually spoke more than women. And that probably has a lot to do with the way the studies were conducted. They were in a scientific setting, um, and sometimes men feel more confident in those sorts of settings. But when they then went on to monitor real-life conversations over a long period of time by wiring people up for days on end and listening in on their conversations, there were negligible differences between the sexes. So why am I telling you this? Aside from the fact that I absolutely hate it when things get reported as science, when they're not science, the reason I am telling you is because if you have a tongue and you have actually figured out how to use that tongue to make it work for you, then regardless of your gender, 15 to 16,000 words a day is what you can expect. So I don't want the men to tune out today and think that this is only something that's going to be relevant for those, those very verbose women. It is all of us that need to learn to handle our tongues. Our words matter. And this morning, because there is such a lot of information in the Old Testament wisdom literature about this topic. I've decided to attack it from three different ways. So we're going to look at, first of all, why our words matter. What, what does the literature say about that? 
Then I'm going to give you some characteristics of what the Proverbs and the other wisdom literature describe as someone who is wise with their words. And then finally, we'll finish up looking at some practical strategies about how we might actually rein in our tongues. So first of all, why words matter? Our words matter because they are such an important part of how we deal both with one another and with how we relate to God. God gave us the gift of language and the ability to communicate. It is a gift. But we need to know how to handle that gift well. With our tongues, we praise God. With our tongues, we share the good news with others. We bring hope. We can bring encouragement. But with our tongues, we can also poison reputations. We can end marriages. We can destroy friendships. We can destroy families. And we can cripple churches. The tongue is both a healing balm and it is a piercing sword. Proverbs 12:18 says reckless words pierce like a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Or Proverbs 15:4 the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. That is how powerful our tongues are. They can crush the spirit. Our words also matter because they can build up or they can tear down. And regardless of which option we take, each of us must live with the consequences of the words that we speak. Who among us has not, at some point in their life, regretted something that they have said? You know, you, you say something and you can see on the person's face the hurt that they felt. And sometimes you can tell that instantly. And other times our words are more like a splash of acid that slowly eats away and leaves a scar. A harshly spoken word chips away at relationships. It's like this kid's game, Jenga. Probably many of you are familiar with it. You build a tower and then you take it in turns to pull out one of the blocks and eventually someone will pull the block that makes the tower crumble and they lose the game. Every block that is removed undermines the structure of that tower and eventually the tower will crumble just like relationships. Every harsh word that is spoken undermines the structure or the integrity of our relationships and they may not fall apart after just one or two harsh words but the damage is there and eventually those relationships will crumble if they are left unattended. But words that are spoken in kindness 
I like the bricks that are pushed back into place. They build up instead of tearing down. And each brick eventually makes a very stable structure that can last the test of time. Proverbs 8.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now this next one I think is particularly important for Christians. Our words matter because they show the state of our hearts. They show what is going on on the inside. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Gentle words reveal a gentle heart. Kind words reveal kindness within. Harsh words or angry words reveal a problem inside. They reveal a selfish heart. And we can think of the mouth a little bit like the loudspeaker of the heart. You want to know what someone's really like? Just have a listen to the way that they talk and interact with others. The words of someone who lives by the Spirit will be flavoured by the fruit of the Spirit. Perhaps not always because no one is perfect, but on the whole we should expect that someone who lives by the Spirit of God will have a speech that is flavoured by the fruit of the Spirit. They will speak with love. Their words will exude a certain joy. Their words will bring peace to situations of strife. Their words will be kind. Their words will be gentle and full of humility. And when they're not, you can expect that such a person will know it because of the Spirit of God who dwells within them. There will be a certain disconnect. There will be a certain level of discomfort within them because what they've just said is not in line with the Spirit of God and with God's will. And they will show remorse and they will seek forgiveness for the harsh words that they've spoken. Our words also matter because we will be held account, we are told, for every careless word that we speak. Matthew 12, 36. Think about all the careless or the empty words that you might have spoken over a lifetime. It is a frightening thought. But that is what Jesus said. He went on to say in verse 37, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So our words matter because they affect our relationships here on earth. They affect our relationship with God. They have eternal consequences. They demonstrate what is going on in our heart 
and we ultimately will be held to account for them. So it is little wonder that there is so much of the wisdom literature dedicated to this particular topic. So we're going to do a bit of a brief survey tour now and get a feel for what this literature has to teach us about what someone who is wise with their words might look or sound like. And I'll, I'll begin with the most obvious. Someone who is wise with their words, according to Proverbs in particular, speaks the truth. Proverbs chapter 6 contains the well-known list of seven things that are detestable to God. Two of them relate directly to lying and a third one perhaps indirectly relates to lying. Clearly, God hates lies. To lie is to betray the trust of whoever it is that you're speaking to. It is to break one of the Ten Commandments. And it is, according to Proverbs, to do something that is detestable to God. Proverbs 12.22, the Lord detests lying lips but he delights in people who are truthful. Or Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts and a flattering mouth works ruin. This next one is the one that I think most of us struggle with more than any other. I know I do. In the heat of the moment, it can be hard to hold your tongue. But the Bible tells us that the one who is wise will know when and how to hold their tongue. Story is told of a young man who approached the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates to ask for training in oration, in speech. Now, at the time, Socrates was said to be the wisest man in all of the world. And so the young man approached him to make his request. And he blabbled and he blabbled and he blabbled. We would call it motor mouth. And Socrates could hardly get a word in edgewise. But when he finally could, he said, Young man, I will have to charge you a double fee. And the young man said, why? Why the double fee? To which Socrates replied, because I will have to teach you two sciences. The first of these is to learn how to hold your tongue and the other, how to speak. And then he went on to say that of these, the first science is the more difficult, but aim for proficiency in it, or you will suffer greatly and cause trouble without end. Now those are wise words and I would be surprised today if there is anyone here who hasn't at some point regretted that they did not hold their tongue. Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, 
but he who holds his tongue is wise. According to the Proverbs, it is the fool's lips that bring strife. It is the fool who gives full vent to their anger. And so if we are to live wisely in God's created order, we have to master the ability to hold our tongues, to zip our lips. We have to try and avoid that temptation to always be heard or to give full vent to our anger when we think it is deserved or to spout off opinions about things that we don't know much about. We need to be able to do that, the Proverbs tell us, to avoid sin and avoid calamity. But there's another reason, because when we learn to hold our tongues, we are also in a much better position to listen, to listen to others, but also to listen to God. When we come to prayer without first taking time to slow down, stop chattering and listen, or when we enter this place on a Sunday morning full of chitter, without taking time to really stop and listen, we don't allow time for God to speak with us. It's all about us, the people we want to catch up with, the things we need to say before the service starts. And our mind is not in the right frame for what God may have for us. We don't like silence. And you can see that in prayer meetings. People are uncomfortable when there is a silence. They want to fill it with many words. God is not uncomfortable with silence. We like to be heard, so we're eager to make noise and to fill the silence with words. But in doing so, sometimes we leave little room for God to be able to speak to us and be heard by us. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. Sometimes that desire that we have to be heard actually makes it really difficult for us to hear God. The next characteristic of those who are wise with their words is that they avoid gossip. Gossip destroys relationships. I can't think of anything good about gossip. Once shared, it is impossible to take it back. One person tells two people that they know won't tell anybody else. And those two people tell their two 
closest confidants. They're sure they won't tell anybody else. But pretty soon, everybody knows. It's like someone said, there's only one thing as difficult as unscrambling an egg, and that is unspreading a rumour. Both are impossible to do. The Bible tells us that gossip fuels conflict. It separates friends. And in churches, we don't have gossips, do we? Just people who share legitimate concerns about others and people who are sharing prayer needs. We all know there's a very fine line and we need to be careful, not only that we don't become part of spreading gossip, but that we actually throw water on the fire by calling it out when we hear it and refusing to listen to it. Those who are wise with their words know that kind words have a very different sort of power than those that are born out of anger. Both of them are powerful but only one of them bears evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. There is no place for the Spirit of God to work through harsh and angry words. But kindness, that's his domain. Kind words, the Proverbs tell us, are like honey, sweet to the soul. They build up the one who receives them, Proverbs eleven seventeen, also tells us that your own soul is nourished when you speak kind words. It's not just the person that you are speaking to. Your own kind words are good for your own soul. Gentle words bring life and health, says Proverbs fifteen four, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Now, I think most of us generally know that to be true by experience. If we think about those that we know who are always complaining, who never have a kind word to say about anyone, most of them look pretty miserable themselves. They look like they're holding a burden or that they're perpetually sucking on a, a lemon. But if you think of those people who you know to be encouragers in your own life, those people who are always speaking an encouraging word to you or dropping a little note or calling to make sure you're okay, those people just seem to have faces that exude a certain kind of peace because their own souls have been nourished by the kindness of their words. Those who are wise with their words seek to bless others by their words. For many people, we will be the only Bibles that they will read. Or as D.L. Moody put it, out of a hundred men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. So we need to be the very best 
version of the Bible that we can possibly be. Our words and our actions need to be those that will bless others and ultimately draw them to the greatest blessing that they could hope to receive in knowing Christ. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And so we each need to ask ourselves, is my mouth a fountain of life? Is what is coming out of it life-giving to other people? Or is it more like a dirty stream? Or a dry cistern? Are my words accurately representing my saviour? Or do I betray others by my harsh tone, by a complaining spirit, by an ear for gossip, or by angry words that are spoken in haste? Well, this final one recognises that none of us are perfect. And none of us will speak in the way that we want to speak all the time. And so someone who is wise with their words will also be ready to repent. They are ready to repent because when those words that they speak in haste or speak in anger or speak harshly, when they've been unkind or engaged in gossip, when they should have held their tongue or they didn't, they realise that they haven't represented Jesus well and the presence of the Holy Spirit within them will bring that certain kind of discomfort and if they are seeking to do the will of God they will be conscious of that discomfort and it will translate into a desire to make things right again and repentance will surely follow. None of the six characteristics of one who is truly wise with their words, and I mean wise in the godly sense here, not just smart in what they say, none of these come easy for most of us. And I think that is why the wisdom literature is so full of advice about our words, because God knew that we would struggle in this area. Children, in my experience anyway, seem to be born with an innate ability to lie. None of these children on the screen before you ate any of the cake. Not one of them. But the evidence would seem to suggest otherwise. As adults, sometimes we can master that um, tendency to lie but we're perhaps not so good in some of the other areas. We love to fill the silence with the sound of our own voices. It is hard for us to zip it when tensions start to rise. And often we love to be ahead of the latest gossip that's happening. Some of us will struggle more with one of these characteristics than with another. 
But I don't think any of us have completely mastered it. It is a beast within our mouths that must continually be tamed. And it begins with changing your heart. I read this week about some kids who decided that they would have a bit of fun with their grandfather who was sleeping slack-mouthed on the couch and they found some stinky cheese in the fridge and decided to smear a little bit in grandpa's moustache and it wasn't long before the aromas of the stinky cheese wafted up grandpa's nose and he rose quickly from the couch and declared something stinks and he made his way into the kitchen and he stopped and took a few deep breaths in the kitchen and he said oh it stinks even worse in here and so he rushed to the window and stuck his head out the window only to declare the whole world stinks and often the problem is not out there. It's not somewhere else. It lies right under our own noses. What is coming out of the mouth is only the overflow of the heart. Luke 6.45. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Boasting is just the outworking of pride. And so taming the tongue begins with first transforming the heart. And that is not a work that you can do on your own. That can only be done by submitting to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Asking him to fully reign and rule in your life. None of us can tame our tongues on our own. Unfortunately, when it comes to words, we only get one chance. Once they've left your lips, you can't put them back in. So we have to be careful. As the American poet and biographer Carl Sandburg said, be careful with your words. Once they're said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. But having said that, none of us are perfect. And from time to time, we will all make mistakes. And God knows that. And he understands our weaknesses. And so we need to seek forgiveness. If our language has been harsh or it has caused offence, we need to take it to God. We need to repent of it, seek his forgiveness and ask him by his spirit, to work at helping us to tame our tongues. And if those words have hurt others, then we need to try at least to make amends and seek their forgiveness too. We need to pray. We need to ask God to make us more aware of the words that we are using and the effect that they are having on others. So Psalm 14, 3, 
141.3 is a good one to pray. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need to practice those six characteristics of someone who is wise with their words that we've worked our way through already. Speak the truth. Hold your tongue. Avoid gossip. Speak out of kindness, not anger. Seek to bless others and be ready to repent. Be intentional about those things. Monitor what you're saying and the effect that it's having on others. If necessary, keep a journal. That might be a good way of tracking your progress. And if this is a particular area of difficulty for you, then ask someone else to hold you accountable. Choose someone you trust, someone with whom you can be completely honest about your successes and your struggles. Choose someone who will pray with you and provide you with honest feedback. The Proverbs tell us that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life and that their tongue is like choice silver. <laughs> but sometimes our mouths do feel more like a dirty creek and our tongue feels more like tarnished metal. If we are serious about wanting to grow spiritually and to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ, then we have to be serious about taming our tongue. It is not a work that we can do on our own because we cannot be made righteous on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to do that transforming work in us but we also need to be prepared to do our part as well. He will do the heart work if we submit to his reign and rule in our lives, but we also must be prepared to do some of the hard yards with him. Let's pray together. Father God, we know that this topic is important today because you have had so much to say about it in our Bibles. And many of us struggle to control our tongues. We complain often, we speak in haste, our words are harsh or angry, they tear down instead of building up. Father God, by your spirit, Work in our hearts, please. Those of us who struggle in this way, Father, we surrender this aspect of our lives to you today. We ask that you set a guard over our mouths and a watch over the door of our lips. Lord, may what comes out of our mouths and rolls off our tongue, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight. Amen.